Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Man, it feels like this is like normal church. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love, love, love it. And this morning, uh, you know, I, I, I did talk about early this year that we were going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit quite a bit, and you're going to hear it through, at least you're going to hear it through just about everything we preach. You know, we're going to make mention of it, but I want to do a series on the third person of the Trinity, um, the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're just going to kind of dive into this. I don't have four parts written already. I don't have eight parts written already. I, I know one thing. I started off one direction this week, and I ended up, I was going to kind of go through and give a little bit of an overview in the Old Testament of how the Holy Spirit uh, functioned in the Old Testament and some of the, the highlights of that, and I never got past Genesis 1-2. Um, there's a ton of stuff that we need to know about the Holy Spirit, and he's probably the least preached about in all of Christendom. Uh, anyway, uh, when I talk about the Trinity, and I've already mentioned that a little bit, I want you to understand that this church, in this church, we believe in one God, one God, who manifests himself in three distinct personalities. Sometimes when we use verbiage that, well, I prayed to the Holy Spirit today, and then I prayed to Jesus, and then I prayed to God the Father, or we do that all in one prayer, um, maybe somebody who's on the outside of, of knowing what that means, it could be kind of confusing to them. Like, it looks like we have three gods. But I'm telling you, even if people don't have their verbiage quite perfectly right, and I don't even know if there is verbiage that could really explain to a point where we could understand how the Trinity functions and how it works, it's kind of a mystery. It's kind of beyond our comprehension. I'm going to get into that a little bit. But we believe in one God, three distinct personalities, one God, three parts, all three parts together making up a single entity. And this is a mind, it's, it's mind-blowing for us because we can't comprehend that kind of perfection. We've never seen it before. We've never experienced unity like that. We've never seen it. We, don't, we can't get our minds wrapped around it. And in all of our histories with, with their letdown moments and all the times when people have not been truthful with us. Anybody ever have one of those? Somebody lied to you? Or they wronged you? All of the injustice we've seen... All of that works against us in being able to get our minds wrapped around an infinitely perfect being. He is perfect, absolutely perfect. So perfect that he can operate in and through three distinct and separate personalities that make up one omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God. And understand, if you must, if you must have the ability to wrap your mind around something in order to believe it, you will most certainly fall short in your faith and belief in God. Let me put it this way. If you are so intellectually superior that your mind can actually comprehend the majesty and the beauty and all of the attributes that make up God's character, then you would have no need for God because you yourself would be God. Can a finite person really understand infinity? God is infinite. Everything that God is He's infinite in his knowledge and in his wisdom and in his power and in his love and in his goodness. He's infinite in his perfection, if that even can be possible. Making your faith and belief in everything that he says he is, if that's all dependent on your ability to comprehend him, it's an exercise in futility, folks. You can't get your mind wrapped around it. Scripture reveals God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as one Godhead, three in one, not three gods sharing one throne, not three entities sharing one title, but one God who sits on the throne, one entity who manifests himself in three distinct personalities. It's mind-blowing, but I believe it. That's my deal in the Trinity right there. So before we ever get into this, this, this study of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is part of God. He is God. He's part of that Trinity. And my uh, mother-in-law used to teach the little kids 
in Sunday school, and she did it for years and years and years, and when she would explain the, the Trinity to them, you know, leave it, leave it to a, a, an older saint to break it all down and make it easy for little kids to understand. So you want me to tell you what she said to them? Are you, can you under, maybe you can understand this. It's like an egg. One egg has three parts, a shell, a yolk, and a white. All three parts make up one egg. God is three parts, but one God. It's that simple, and yet that mind-blowing. And it's okay to wonder about these things, to contemplate them, and even meditate on them. And it's great to sit in his presence sometimes and just, and just say, Lord, this is, this is more than I can really comprehend. Reveal to me who you are. Reveal to me who you are. I want to know you more, God. I want to know you deeper. I want to understand more. I want to know you, God. It's okay to do that. <coughs> it's okay to do that. It's good for you to do that. And it's a mystery to me at, at how this, this Trinity thing really works. It's beyond my human comprehension, but I'm okay with that. And, and I, know, I know I'm riding this point a little bit, but I think it's important because we can't, we, we can't know the deep things of God if we don't even begin to understand the, the ramifications of our, of our foundations of belief. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to have to get a drink of water. Are you okay with me drinking water? Or do you want me to talk like this the whole time? I think I'm good now. And that's why I don't drink alcohol. Yep, that's right. I'm going to ride this point a little bit, though. I can't comprehend the Trinity, but I believe it. But I can't comprehend John 3.16. I can't. But that doesn't change the fact that I believe it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I can't under understand how God could do that for me. If you can comprehend that, good for you. But when I think about his goodness and my wretchedness, I'm going, I can't understand that kind of love, really. And if I believe it, which I do, there's other things in the word of God that I can believe in faith. And one of those is the Trinity. So in this series, I want to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he really? What do we know about him? What is his role in our lives? And I'm hoping that by the end of our study, we will have a better understanding of how important his role is in our lives. So I want to start by, again, I mentioned Genesis 1, uh, verse 2, but I want to start in Genesis 1, 1 and, and get into verse 2 here. Um, and I want to look at the Holy Spirit's role in creation. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the and the earth. Okay, he created them. Then it says in verse 2, follow this closely, listen carefully. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. There's a lot in those two verses. So God created the earth the heavens and the earth, and the earth that he created was formless. It was without order. You could say it was chaos, because the word chaos means without order. It, we don't usually think of God uh, having anything to do with chaos, because he's such a God of order, right? But the earth he created, originally, the, when he first made the earth, it was without form. It was without order, probably because he wasn't done creating yet, okay? And it was without form. It, was, it, it says it was um, <clears throat> formless and desolate emptiness, and, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So here we see that the Holy Spirit of God is mentioned immediately in the book of Genesis. Not that we get a complete rundown of who the Holy Spirit is here. I don't think we're meant to. I don't think God was trying to give us a rundown of who he was. But he's mentioned right away in the beginning, and I believe it was intentional that God did that. God has always been... Okay, 
let your mind be blown a little bit by this. We, we believe these things, we say these things, but if we think about them and, and, and meditate on them and contemplate them, they can kind of blow your, your minds a little bit. God has always been. He is not just forever future. He is forever past. He never had a beginning. That blows my mind. And maybe it's not that hard to blow this little mind, but that blows my mind. He is forever past. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they all have existed as one entity, forever past, as one Godhead, and will continue to exist as one Godhead for forever future. The Holy Spirit has always been. He's never had a beginning because he is God. The Holy Spirit. We think of that as in the terms of God the Father and God the Son. We don't always think of that in terms of God the Holy Spirit, but it's one God. God the Holy Spirit has always been, and he always will be. This is basic to our understanding of who God is, and yes, because we can't wrap our minds around it completely, we gotta believe it by faith. The word in Genesis 1-2 that is translated spirit, and the Spirit of God was hovering, it says. The Spirit of God. That word spirit, that original Hebrew word that's written there that we translated or Bible scholars translated into the word spirit is the original Hebrew word ruach. And I said it just like you're supposed to. Ruach, like you're clearing your throat. Many of the Hebrew words have that. Which is also translated into the words, uh, that word is also trans translated into the words uh, breath, or, or breathe or wind, depending on the specific scripture's content. And so, of course, in Genesis 1-2, ruach is translated spirit, and it's rightly translated that way. This is more than the breath or wind of God. Within this context, the Spirit of God is specifically God the Holy Spirit. Now, under, and, and understand that he's giving us the Holy Spirit's role in creation, we, we, we understand God the Father's role and we understand God the Son's role, but as I was sitting here thinking about this and meditating on the scripture, it was like, okay, why? The Spirit was hovering over the waters. What has that got to do with anything? Great, so he's hovering. Is it a, like a helicopter mom or something? I mean, I start, my mind just starts thinking, what was it? He was hovering. This is creation. He was hovering over what God had created, the heavens and the earth. He was hovering over that formless orderless, okay, creation of God because the rest hadn't happened yet. We're not even to day one creation yet. You know that in Genesis, right? We haven't even got to day one yet. And we know what the son's role is and the father's role. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All the things came into being through him and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life and the life was the light of, of mankind. And so in that first verse of John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one, we see God the Father speaking, right? He spoke things into existence and we see Jesus Christ as the word of God. He was the very words that God spoke Understand what I'm saying here? This is the different, uh, or the different personalities within the one entity of God, of who we know as God, and this is their, 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 their uh, role in creation. You had God the Father speaking. The words he spoke were the Son. How many know that in the incarnation, the word of God became flesh? So God's word became flesh. That's the person, that's the personification of the word, and his name is Jesus. He is the Word of God. So we, we know these, these, these roles that, that, that each personality, if you will, within the Godhead had in creation. Except we don't think about the Holy Spirit. What was the Holy Spirit doing? What was his role? And, and we see it in 1-2. What was he doing? He was hovering. So God was speaking. Jesus was the Word. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the surface of the waters. What, was the, what, was, what did that have to do with anything, hovering? Again, the original word here, Hebrew word, translated to our word hovering, and I don't want to bore you to death, but this stuff's really, really important. I just want to give you the, the, kind of the tools to understand it. This word here, hovering, is, and I don't even know if I can say it, is rekaf. Rekaf, I can't even say it right, but that's what it is. And it means to hover or brood, to rest or relax, 
to grow soft. And I just dove deeper and deeper and deeper into that word and even the syllables of that word. And it's very interesting what that word hover means. Think of the Spirit's role in creation as this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was formless. It was without order. It was desolate, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Holy Spirit was hovering or brooding over those dark waters. He was resting his presence over creation. He was brooding over the deep with his very presence, resting over it. And as you go deeper into those words, there's an aspect within that Hebrew word that I can't even say for that, that's translated the word hovering uh, that, that speaks of preserving and preparing. Turn to your neighbor and say preserving. Look the other way and say preparing. Preserving and preparing. And, and God the Holy Spirit was hovering with his restful presence preserving and preparing for the time when God the Father would speak all things into existence. Now, th this was an earth that was completely different than the one you and I know. We know the earth presently, right? After six to 10,000 years of sin and toll that, uh, that sin has, has uh, taken on the earth and it, it's hurt the earth. When sin came into the world, things got ugly. When God created the earth, it was good, right? Sin turned that around. You know, I, I thought about this a lot. What would the earth look like if, if sin never entered the earth? Any deer hunters in here? I think about this every time I go deer hunting. Because you're crawling through the briar brush and the thorns, and you got to have the right clothes, right? Or you're going to get all cut up from those thick thorns you got to get through. That's where the deer are at, right? How many have ever been caught in those brushes you deer hunting it, there would have been no thorns perfect no, no pests I think about that every time I sit on my deck and the mosquitoes start happening right they start coming out there'd be no pests there, there, there was no disease on the face of the earth Amira you, you would be out of a job we wouldn't need doctors or nurses we wouldn't need any of that because there would be no sickness. Sin brought with it a whole bunch of garbage that we live with every single day. The stuff that we get mad at God about, by the way. He's like, I made it perfect. You're the, you guys are the ones that sinned, right? Humanity has sinned and caused that. The earth, for six to 10,000 years, I said, Depending on your, your, your interpretation of creation, I don't think biblically you can really be older than 10,000 years, even though the science shows, say, billions of years ago. I think they're wrong. But six to 10,000 years of sin and the toll that sin takes, that's the world we know. Again, my point is, how beautiful was it at the beginning? How breathtakingly awesome and amazing was it when it was still undefiled by sin? And we know up until this point, I've been talking about it not having order in things, and, and that's true. But as God began to create, began to speak things into existence, into the earth, and bring order to it, it became perfect. The chaos turned to cosmos, which means order. You see, God spoke, and the word he spoke was Jesus, and everything came into existence because of that spoken word. But we overlook the Holy Spirit's activity in this. He was hovering, brooding. He was resting his presence over the chaos that was the earth. Chaos because it was without form, order, up until this point. He was resting his presence over the earth, and specifically the waters, which presumably were over the entire earth because land didn't appear till day three of creation. And we aren't even to day one yet, as I said, but in Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit's presence was preserving and preparing. I want you to hear this. It was preserving, resting his presence over the waters, over what was there, preserving and preparing the raw material that God had already created. I think that's significant. Preserving and preparing because God was about to speak something into existence. Things that brought order, things like light, let there be light. 
and the expanse or the atmosphere, the separation between the, sk- the sky and the waters, and, 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 and then dry land on day three, and the plants, and then, of course, the light bearers, the, the sun, moon, and stars. Then God would speak uh, the fish and the, the birds into existence, then the animals, and finally his masterpiece, us, humanity. All of this would be accomplished, but before it was, the Holy Spirit The Spirit of God, God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, was hovering and resting over this raw material with his presence, preserving and preparing it. I don't want to go too far with drawing my parallels here, but it seems to me that preserving and preparing has always been and still is a key function of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit with his presence is continually at work Preserving and preparing the carrying out of God the Father's creative will. Have I lost you yet this morning? Punch your neighbor in the shoulder and say, Wake up. Finally. God the Holy Spirit, with his presence, is continually at work preserving and preparing the carrying out of God the Father's creative will. Understand that God still speaks today. He's still creating. He's creating that new heart in us. How many have been, gotten a new heart lately? How many are renewed? Amen? There's like four of you that are saved in here, right? <laughs> Say, I'm saved. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you sound as white as I do. I'd love it if we got some soul in here. We could really sing, couldn't we? Need some soul power. But I don't want to go too far, again, with drawing these parable, parallels, but it's, it's so important. Understand that God still speaks today. He's still creating. He's creating innovation. He's creating miracles and healings, innovation in his people uh, as they look to new ways and, and means to building his kingdom until he returns. God, by his very nature, is creative. He just creates. This is, this is a God, and you know this, uh, I think Louis, Louis Giglio speaks on this a lot, but he, he's, a, he's a star-breathing God. When he speaks, stars come out of his mouth. That's how big God is. He speaks, and it's done. It's created. And as we think about that part of God that we identify as the Holy Spirit, we can't underestimate the role that he plays in our personal lives. He was there at creation brooding and hovering over that raw material that God had first created, the earth that was without form. And here's my point. I see similarities between the creation of the world and us. We start out as raw material, don't we? A creation that hasn't fully come into order, especially before we know Jesus. A creation that has not finished yet. And when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. I said that, and I want you to write that down. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That is the truth. That is the absolute truth. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. You can't accept Christ without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is part of that process that draws you into his presence, draws you into into Christ, and you make a decision then. You make that decision. And you you, you receive that, that indwelling Holy Spirit within you. He lives inside of you that moment of salvation, at that moment of salvation. There's similarities here. We're a creation that's not finished yet. A creation that is desolate and empty without him. A creation that is in utter darkness. And imagine if the Holy Spirit's presence is hovering over us in an effort to preserve and prepare us for all that God has dreamed for us to be and to do. You see, back at the original creation, you have the Spirit of God hovering over preparing, preserving, and God at some point, we don't know how long a time that was between the the void, if there was any time, we don't really know that, but I tell you what, it's like this, God spoke when it was the right time and things came into existence like light. I believe we are like that raw material and the spirit of God hovers over us and if we accept him into our lives, then the next process happens. God starts speaking things into our life. And if we remain in his presence with him hovering over us, he can take, God can take that raw material and speak the dreams that he dreamed for us into our lives. 
and things can be created that are good within us. You see, we are a people sometimes that rejects being in the presence of God. We don't like it, or we're completely obtuse to it. I'll get in that in a minute here. This uh, similarity is just, it's amazing. It, it reminds me of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in 18.6 in his book. It says, it says this, Am I not able, house of Israel, to, to deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. See, we are like clay, like raw material in the hands of God. And we need that presence of the Holy Spirit to preserve us so we don't become dried out and useless. I've not worked with a lot of clay in my life. I have played with a lot of Play-Doh in my day. And I noticed that Play-Doh gets dried out, and I think clay does too. And then it pretty much becomes dried up and useless. We need to be in that potter's process of wedging the clay. They call that wedging the clay, not kneading it. The process of kneading bread dough uh, is, is a process that's different. They're trying to get the air into the dough, and, but, knead, but, but wedging clay, they try to get the air bubbles out of the clay, is what I understand. But we need to be in that process, letting the potter apply pressure to us, pushing us a bit in order to keep us pliable. So in life... As we stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we allow him to hover, to brood over us in that way, to stay in his presence. I think it's very interesting. It's like, it's like that preparation and that preserving, we're not going to get dried out. God the Father is, is, you know, massaging, he's wedging, he's, I don't care what you say, he's kneading it, he's keeping us pliable. And how does, he do, how does he do that? Well, when we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's role in that creative thing. See, the potter is making a masterpiece when they've got the clay on the wheel and they're spinning it, and then they, 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 they get that clay just right, and just at the right time when the clay is perfectly uh, uh, conditioned, they put it on that wheel, they spin it, and they make this beautiful vessel. And then they put it in the kiln and it's cooked and it's done and maybe it's painted and decorated and all those things. I think we're no different. We're raw material and if we stay in the presence of God, we stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He can do his creative work in us. So you're a masterpiece in progress. He's not done with you yet. But you're a masterpiece in progress. You are a masterpiece in his hands, and he's forming you. I don't know where you're at in that process. You could be that clay saying, I don't want to be in the Holy, I don't want to be in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't want that, 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 that hovering to go on because I, 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 just don't, I just don't want it. And if that's the case, I, I don't think you'll have a problem because the Holy Spirit isn't going to hang around and hover and brood over you. I don't think the Holy Spirit wants to be where he's not welcome. Or you might be in the process where the Holy Spirit's been working on you and, and working on you and working on you and keeping you pliable and, and, and preparing you and preserving you. You're not dried out. And he's beginning to putting you on the wheel. And he starts to shape you. And you know, that part hurts, doesn't it? Getting off the edges. He starts shaping you and smoothing you out. Man, turn to your spouse and say, you need some smoothing out. Some of you aren't doing it because you don't want to get punched. <laughs> we all need smoothing out, folks. We all do. We all need smoothing out. And he takes those rough edges out. We might be in that process. We might be in the process where we're put into the kiln and the, the fire of situations and circumstances is cooking us into that vessel we need to be. And that seems so hard and so difficult that you're never going to get through it. But let me tell you something today. You are a masterpiece in progress. God is not finished with you yet because you're still living, you're still breathing, right? He's still doing his creative work within you. And it's so important that you understand this. The, the biggest part of, of, of this creative work is you staying in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. To stay in his presence, to let him hover and brood over you and speak to you. 
and prepare you and preserve you. Are you seeing that parallel? God's got future great things in store for you. And again, I didn't mention this earlier, but let's not forget about free will. We as individuals, we all have the right to step away from or even out from underneath God's presence. He loves us so much that he gave us the freedom of choice. He said, you can choose. You don't have to stay in my presence. And there's many ways we push God's presence out of our life, that we come out from underneath that hovering of the Holy Spirit, that restful presence that he provides. I believe that every time you choose sin, instead of resisting temptation, that you remove yourselves from his presence a little bit. It's not like sin, you're done. It's like, choose this way. And God says, no, come back. And you might repent and come back. And he's so gracious and he's so forgiving and he's so merciful. But we can do this and then we can do this and then we can do this and we can go down that road of choosing sin over and over. We can even get in places in our lives where, where we are living in sin and we know it and we don't care. And the presence of God isn't with us anymore. And so guess what happens? That creative work stops. It stops because there's no preparation anymore. There's no preparing, there's no preserving anymore of the raw material because you've decided to walk away. You've decided to leave the hovering and the brooding of the Holy Spirit's presence, that restful presence. Have you ever been in worship? And I, I, I wanna, I, I wanna, put this in experience to this, attach an experience to this. Have you ever been in his presence, whether it's in prayer or whether it's in worship, where you're just worshiping him, you're praising him, you're spending time with him, and all of a sudden it feels like a warm blanket just covered you. That warm blanket just covers you. And it's like peace, unbelievable peace floods your soul. That's his restful presence on you. That's when you, you, you don't say, oh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to go over here. No. You say, God, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a steadfast spirit. Create in me anything that you want me, me to be. Do what you need to do. I'm yours, God. I lay it all down. Create in me, God, someone new. Make me new. Make me new. Make me new. Make me more like you, God. Invite more of it. And guess what? It shouldn't be something that we just experience here and there and, and there, there, there's long gaps in between. It should be something we just live in. As Pentecostals, we are people of his presence. We live in his presence. There's lots of ways we can, we can, we can push his presence away. I, I was saying that just a minute ago. But you're... Just break it down. Let's make this real simple. You're sitting in your living room watching television. You, you go, ah, well, let's watch a movie. You put on a movie, and the movie is a little questionable. Um, you know, it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's not rated R or anything like that. It's just, it, and, and anymore, it could even be a TV show. And they say GD, and they say GD again. And in your home, you're allowing the words God D. You think the Holy Spirit responds to that with oh it's okay you didn't say it shut that thing off that's your god they're talking about and you're damning him to hell that's what damned means i mean we we do things and we don't even realize how easy it is to grieve the holy spirit and I'm not trying to, to put a big weight on you or, or make you feel all convicted or, or, or anything like that. I'm just saying, and I appreciated last Wednesday night, Leslie's teaching, she talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. She said it was very hard to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and I agree with that 100%, 100% but it's very easy to grieve him. doesn't mean we walk on eggshells around him. It just means that we love him so much and we love his presence so much and we long for his creative nature to be at work in our lives, creating us into the people that he wants us to be, that we aren't going to give his presence up for anything. Church, we live in a time, hear me, hear me. 
We live in a time that you cannot afford to be out from underneath his presence. You can't afford it. Because things are going down all over the place in this world. You know it. We see it. It's not like normal. I'm not going to call it a new normal because I ain't going to accept it. But, but here's the deal. You can't afford to be out from underneath his restful presence, his hovering. That means we've got to watch what we say. Oh, Lord. Forgive me for what comes out of my mouth sometimes. Forgive me for what I think and dwell on sometimes and can't, can't get away from. Forgive me, oh God, for, for, for not staying in your presence. Forgive us, oh God, for watching things we shouldn't watch, for doing things we shouldn't do, for laughing at jokes we shouldn't laugh at, for reading things that we shouldn't read, for listening to music we shouldn't listen to. And I'm not trying to put on a big list of do's and don'ts to you. I'm really not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being so, so in tune with, with, with understanding that you need the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that you're not willing to do anything to cause that presence to leave. can't afford it not in this day and time and if there's something that i've noticed about god he doesn't keep pouring out his presence on people who continually refuse him or are flippant or who try to marginalize him to sundays and wednesdays it's a daily thing Why do we need to understand how important the presence of the Holy Spirit is in our lives? His preserving and preparing presence. Because if we don't understand, we'll miss the very thing God has created us to be. I, I think this. You know, it, it is difficult times. It's strange times. It's maybe even scary times to some extent with what's going on in our world. And we, again, we have to stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But God created you for such a time as this. Why not just stay in the presence of the third person of the Trinity day in and day out so that creative work can continue in your life so he can take all the raw materials that, that God started with, that he first created you with, and begin to mold them into the person you need to be. Because I'm telling you, we need to be the people that God meant us to be in the next years. You can't be kind of the person you should be. You have to be the person that he created you to be. Or you're not going to make it. I believe that with all my heart. You're not going to make it through what's going to be maybe difficult. And even if I'm wrong, what's wrong with becoming everything God's meant you to be? Nothing. There's a thought sometimes in people that says, well, I've blown it. I've kicked the Holy Spirit out of my life all, for as long as I can remember. I've not, I've not let him continue to create me. I know there's things I should have done years ago and I didn't do them. I know there's, there's, there, there's some in here who you knew you were called to ministry and you didn't do it. There's some out there listening right now. God maybe called you to, to do something great and you backed out because of fear. And, and, and you can say, well, it's all, it's all sad and that's, it, it's grim because I've blown it and there's, there's no recourse at this point. But that couldn't be further from the truth. I love what Joel 2.25 says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. This is what God promises to those that repent. He'll give them the years back that they lost. Uh, and, and it's about repentance. Joel 2.12 through 13, just before that, it says this. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and, great, and, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. And for those that repent and turn from their current ways, literally a 180-degree turn, to those he will make the years so fruitful 
that it will be as if the years you wasted didn't even occur. I mean, God can do amazing things with the time we have left. Let's stay in the presence, his restful presence, that hovering, let's stay underneath that hovering of the Holy Spirit. So that preparation and that preservation can continually occur so that he can create us at the right moment to be everything that he needs us to be so that we can do everything that we're supposed to do for such a time as this. And it applies to being a dad or a wife or a husband or a mother. It applies to being a leader or a doer within his church. It applies to those who are called to vocational ministry and those who are called to support and volunteer in ministry. It applies to no matter what situation you're in, church. Whatever God has dreamed for you to be, whatever it is that you were meant to do with your life, it's not too late. It's not. He can give you those years back. Maybe you've spent years pushing away the Holy Spirit's presence. His brooding and his hovering over you in a way that preserved and prepared you for all God designed you to be. Maybe you've pushed all that away, but, but one decision to stop pushing him away, one decision to start res residing and making your residence underneath that hovering, that, that restful presence of his spirit, that can catapult you to wherever you need to be. God catapult us as individuals to be right where we need to be. Catapult us as a church to be right where we need to be for such a time as this that we live in. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in excitement. We got a whole bunch of people attached to this church one way or the other, whether it's through online or, or whether it's, it's through uh, physically being here, and it's exciting to me. Do you realize, church, that during a pandemic, and this is no pat on the back to me, it's a pat on the back to Jesus Christ and all he's done for us, but in the middle of a pandemic, almost a year we've gone through this stuff, that our church hasn't fallen, it's grown in numbers? I mean, yeah, give God the glory. You know, we're not all about numbers in this church. We're definitely, we don't, not all about numbers, but numbers, you have to look at them and see where you're at sometimes. And it's interesting, we never really could get past that 500 mark, that 500 mark, that 500 mark. When we had New Journey and New Journey started to grow, we did sometimes get past the 500 mark, and that was great. But we are consistently without New Journey's attendance because they're on their own now, praise God. That's awesome. We planted something great over there, and they have done great with it, and they've done marvelous, and they're, they, they're doing wonderful. But even without their attendance attached to ours, we are counting our online and our physical audience. We are over 600. It just happened. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. And it's exciting. Not, not because that says we're successful. It's, it's exciting because there's a reach going on here. There's an influence that's happening here. And it's because God is raising up churches right now to be everything they need to be for such time as this. And we're one of those churches. We're not the ones closing our doors and never coming back because, ooh, I'm afraid. I think you gotta be smart. I don't think you can be stupid about all the stuff going on. But church, we need to be everything we're supposed to be. And that starts with letting God hover his spirit, God the Holy Spirit, hovering over us and staying there, living there, making that our residence. Does that make sense to you this morning? What's the Holy Spirit's role in creation? To prepare and preserve. That was his role in creation. What's his role in our cre creation of what we're going to be? His role is hasn't it's no different he preserves and he prepares and then when the time is right god speaks i believe in the big bang theory right god spoke bang it happened right you know that's it that's it let's pray father god we love you today and i know lord jesus that there's times we all all of us willingly choose to do what we know is not right to say things to have attitudes to react instead of respond to to 
just things that, that push your spirit away from us. Lord, we want that preservation of your spirit. We want that preparatory kind of work going on through the Holy Spirit in our lives because we remain in that, underneath that restful presence of him. God, today we repent of those times. We say, God, don't teach us, remind us, pull us in, show us how valuable staying in your presence is. I can't help but think that sometimes as Christians we ask God, where are the signs and wonders of old? And your answer is, where are my people who will stay in my presence? God, we repent of all that. And God, we ask you to forgive us. And we know you will because your mercy never runs out. And Lord, we make a decision today to walk in your spirit, to stay in your presence, to be on the pot, your, your potter's wheel, so to speak, that you can make and mold and, and shape us any way you want, God, to turn us into the person that you've dreamed for us to be. We give you our hearts, our lives. We lay it all down to you, God, and say, do with us as you will. We know we've been bought and paid for by your blood, purchased by Jesus' blood. We are not our own. just want you, Jesus. If that's your heart today, would you don't do this flippantly. Don't do this because somebody else did. Keeping your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If that's the cry of your heart today, would you just stand to your feet? That's me, God. I want you. I want you. Would you lift your hands and just begin to tell him that you want him, him alone? You can do it out loud, church. We're not secret, undercover Christians here. Jesus, we want you. We want everything you have for us. Come on, lift up the volume a little bit. Tell him, we want you, Jesus. Take off the rough edges, God. Shape me, mold me. If I need refinement, put me in the refiner's fire, God. Jesus, I want you. Burn out all the dross, God. Cut away all the excess, God. I just want you reigning and ruling through my life. Let me be a picture of you to everybody that meets me. Let me be Jesus with skin on. God, let me be a, a, a warrior that you can trust. Spirit, I pray you would just fall in this place right now like that warm blanket. I believe you're hovering. I believe you're brooding over us right now because of repentant hearts. Hallelujah. Can you sense him? Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Holy Spirit. plan how to end this service 
but I love standing in his presence today. Would you sing this with me? Lord, I love you. 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 Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. All the harmonies just start singing. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we love you. Sing it out. Lord, we love you. Lord, presence he's here the Holy Spirit is here hovering over you right now let him do his creative work in you Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for meeting us here today. Send us out of these four walls, God, to just be all that we can be for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.